Hey, Link Frequencies Open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and Soji falls asleep whenever she talks to her mom. I'm the same way with Fantasia. Every time I start it up, I'm out like a light before the Nutcracker is even over. Sitting in tonight in place of my usual co-host, Ella Pearson, is my co-host on the Just Enough Trope podcast. She's also... She's also the host of the Sailor Noob podcast, and she's a frequent enterprising individuals and a Discoverage guest. It's Mika and Hana. Mika, welcome back to Discoverage. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, and I've mentioned Sailor Noob before in the intro. Can you tell yes. our audience if they don't know what Sailor Noob is all about? Absolutely. So Sailor Noob is a podcast in which a super fan and a noob talk about every episode of Sailor Moon. Uh in order, in the original Japanese, and uh, we talk about uh, various aspects of the of the anime, um, including like things in Japanese culture uh, and like the food that they eat, the clothes that they wear, uh, the bad guys, and we rate them. And uh, it's a really good time. Uh, I <laughs> I'm, I'm the noob on the show, and uh, I had never seen. Uh, Sailor Moon before at all because I have to admit you know it seems like it's for girls I don't want to watch this it's for girls well right I want to watch shirtless well, dudes scream at each other when I watch anime <laughs> and uh, I've been fascinated by what a solid show it is uh, how how much you get into the characters and yeah I mean it's aimed kind of at girls but you get the same like thrills you get the same humor you get the same action and like the in-depth kind of pictures of the, like these character archetypes that you get in any anime that people think is good yeah i agree and i i think you know just re-watching it it's something that really holds up like it came out in the 90s and there's some aspects of it that are definitely very 90s <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> like, like when they fight like that the y2k clothes. monster yeah right uh but <laughs> But there's stuff that just, like, really holds up. Like you said, like, the humor. And, um, you know, just, like, I remember watching it and learning aspects of Japanese culture as I watched it and, like, being sure. like, oh, what is that? I want to learn more. So, you know, I think that is still very much there when you rewatch it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, where can people find that? Uh, yeah, we are um, at, uh, I think it's Noob underscore sailor on twitter and sailor noob on uh facebook yeah and uh i think we're at the uh on just enough trope.com as well as sailor noob that's right yeah uh and uh, new episodes every friday yes new episodes every friday all right well thanks for filling in for ella this week absolutely also joining us on the show tonight, he's a frequent guest on Discoverage and on Enterprising Individuals. He's the co-host of the Delta Flyer podcast, a weekly show about Star Trek Voyager, and the co-host of Stargate Weekly, a Stargate podcast. It's Thad Hate. Thad, welcome back to the show. I'm glad to be back. It's great to have you here, and um, it's great that you're doing this. I'm glad you agreed to, because I know that you are moments away from heading out for <laughs> the uh, Star Trek cruise this year. Yes, I leave tomorrow for the two-day drive to Miami. Oh, okay, oh, wow. wait a minute. So you've got a little adventure uh, before the adventure. <laughs> yeah, because uh, um, this year the cruise starts the same weekend as spring break. Oh. So oh. crunching the numbers, it just does not make sense to fly. Right, right. <laughs> uh, and th is this the first year that you've done the cruise? This is the first year, and it will probably be the only year just because of the t the time and the money required for it. And I want to perhaps not devote every single vacation day every year for Star Trek. So. <laughs> uh, but I am expecting to have a great time. Yeah, um, I always see the lineup. You know, they announce everybody that's going to be on it, and it starts to build up, and you start to think, that, that seems pretty good. I mean, it's not just... A convention it's a floating convention in the tropics mm -hmm. with all these people that you that you'd want to see it sounds pretty amazing i know that this is a yeah, and... oh sorry go ahead yeah and in this case i know a whole bunch of people because i go to various star trek conventions so in addition to the get to the regular talent there's you know gonna be a whole bunch of people that i already know from other conventions so it should be a really good time yeah that sounds great i know that uh Captain Janeway is the unofficial captain of the cruise, as Kate Mulgrew will be there. 
And it was just announced recently that David Zappone, the guy behind the DS9 documentary, has announced that he wants to work on a Voyager documentary as well. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, and is... they'll be doing the first uh, interviews for that on the cruise. Yeah, which is going to be amazing. Uh, I I don't even know how to feel. I mean, how do you feel, I guess? It's up your alley. How do you feel about a uh, Voyager documentary? Well, I loved the Deep Space Nine documentary. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, one done in more or less the same way for Voyager should be awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I mean, DS9 touched on so many things. I think it's really known as um, the thoughtful, you know, social issue exploring series. And, of course, all Trek shows do that. And as you know, as somebody who's an expert in Voyager, you know that Voyager got a lot deeper than people remember into a lot of those issues. Yes. So I'm wondering if they'll yeah, be well, able to you know, check a few boxes that DS9 didn't as far as uh, when we look back on what Voyager accomplished. Yeah, I think so. Because Voyager did – I mean, Voyager gets dismissed a lot as just uh, having the episodic – uh, episodes and it certainly did. It, it uh, they used the reset button all the time for a show that had a start and end. It sure sometimes didn't feel like it did. Uh, yeah. But beyond that, it, because of that, it did have the the traditional Star Trek thing. There were episodes where you know, yeah, sure, it was a contained story in that episode, but it was still a morality play in the theme of how Star Trek episodes have been since the beginning. Right. Right. And I, uh, they always go uh, kind of warts and all on these documentaries, or at least they did with the last one. So I'd be interested to see, with the distance of time, um, some of the cast members and crews reactions or remembrances yes. of some of the backstage drama that was going on. Yeah. And there certainly was some of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, as far as crowdfunding goes and getting all the interviews and stuff together, it might be a while before we see that. But I am definitely looking forward to it. Have you yeah, been enjoying? I am as well. Yeah, yeah, me too. Have you been enjoying Picard so far? Yes, I have very much enjoyed it. Uh, it I, there have been quite a few things that surprised me. Uh, I mean, obviously, as with every show, there are certain things. There are some things I like more than others, but overall, definitely enjoying it. It's new Star Trek, and I'm here for it. And of course, it's had a very strong connection to Voyager with the presence yes. of the Borg, but also, yeah, the introduction of several Voyager-specific characters just last week. Yeah, and we had two references to Voyager in this episode, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, which we'll talk about in uh, just a little bit. Um, we're glad to have you back on the show. Uh, it's good to have you here. Uh, we've just seen the episode, the sixth episode of Star Trek Picard. It's called The Impossible Box. And before we start, and as always, we are setting a course for the spoiler zone, so be warned, listeners. We're glad you've decided to join us, but if you haven't seen the episodes, spoilers are incoming. The official synopsis for The Impossible Box is, Picard and the crew track Soji to the Borg Cube in Romulan space, resurfacing haunting memories for Picard. Meanwhile, Narek believes he finally found a way to safely exploit Soji for information. The episode was written by Nick Zayas. This is Zayas' first script for Trek, though he's the executive story editor for Picard. He was also a writer and story editor for the series Major Crimes. The episode was directed by Maya Vervillo, who also directed the Star Trek Discovery episode Perpetual Infinity, the short Trek Runaway, and the Star Trek Picard episode The Impossible Box. The in-universe date for this uh, is 2399, and this episode... Uh, kind of tricks us a little bit. It sort of breaks with the typical thing that we've gotten used to with uh, from Picard, having a flashback and then uh, seeing later on the 2399 timeline. Um, or did it? We later <laughs> on learned that the images that we're seeing are from a dream, but I don't know, maybe that actually happened and we don't know. There's a few interesting aspects to this episode. This is the first time that Jean-Luc Picard has set foot inside a Borg cube since the events of Best of Both Worlds. At least physically, I'm sure every night in his nightmares he's back in a Borg cube. It's also the first time we see an android's dreams since we saw Data's dreams in the TNG episode Phantasms. And just looking at that and what we've got with this, I'm going to guess that uh, fairly obvious dream imagery is a feature and not a bug of positronic brain programming. 
Uh, yeah, I guess That's so. That's those on-the-nose <laughs> algorithms, yeah. Uh, lots of stock footage in this episode from former Borg episodes and films. Uh, we definitely see a little first contact in there as well, uh, as well as Alice Krieg as the Borg Queen. And the Borg, at mm-hmm. some point in the last 25 years, managed to assimilate the Sakarian race in the Delta Quadrant, acquiring their spatial trajector technology and probably that recipe for pecan pie. And I'm sure that process was not at all pleasurable for the Sakarians. Not at all pleasurable. Oh, the Sakarians. Oh, what could have been? We talked. I actually talked with uh, the one of the the guy that wrote the episode, or one of the guys that wrote the episode, Eric Stilwell, on an episode of Enterprising Individuals, and uh, we were talking about how the Sakarians were planned to be a big enemy for a Voyager, an early enemy like uh, uh-huh. the Kazans, to show up more than once. And they put the entire episode together and they're like, do we really want these like Euro trash guys to come back and just simper and like hit on <laughs> Chainway every week? And I was kind of I was down for it. I like those guys. I mean, they wouldn't have been worse than the Kazon. I no, that's true. Yeah. And they, <laughs> they have worked. the potential to be a really big enemy. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. they had this incredible trajectory technology, which the Borg now have, which is exciting. Uh, although I don't know how they make it work, uh, you know, because uh, Bellanotaurus couldn't make it work without the planet's crust. But who knows? You have to wonder about the rest of the races in the Delta Quadrant. If they got to the Sakarans, are the Kazon all Borg now? Is that whole section or section of space all Borg? So that always bothered me in that episode. Sorry yeah. to go on a tangent here. Go for but it. But in Prime Factors, the Voyager episode, uh, they end up like saying that it could never work with Starfleet technology because it uses insert technobabble thing here that's incompatible with Starfleet technology. (laughs) Right. And that always bugged me because by saying it could never work, like, come on. You're, like, you could have found a way. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um. Yeah, just get like a sample of their crust or or change reverse the polarity or, or something. Yeah, right. It's a it's the type of thing that it, I think it was really a good. It was both a good and bad story for the first season because it was they still really felt the um, the desperation of wanting to get home at that point. So maybe they would try to mutiny to get what they want. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you drop something huge like that. And we know it's not going to work because it's the first season of the show. But I don't know. I want to see some Borg Sakarians, you know, get their uh, tubes coming out of their face. They got the fishing line holding their hair up and, yeah, get on So that, you guys. say that, that we know it wasn't going to work because it was the first season of the show. But they actually wrote a couple episodes that were originally possibly going to be outs in case they felt the Delta Quadrant storyline wasn't working. Ah, interesting. And in, if. Like, Eye of the Needle, I think, was originally going to be one where if they needed to, they could have actually used that to get them home. And then it would have just been episodic Alpha Quadrant, like TNG. Okay. 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 Well, I guess I'm glad they didn't take that uh, that, that exit ramp there. <laughs> yeah, but I am also glad. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked at all. <laughs> Did any other of those other ideas get folded into later episodes? I'll have to look into it. It's been a yeah. while since we uh, – I remember reading about it when we were doing season one on Delta Flyer, and it's yeah. been a while. So I, I'm i not sure at this point. That's really interesting. Well, let's uh, talk about the current Trek episode, Picard, that we're looking at. What you guys think yes. of the impossible box? Um, I mean, I it... – it's fine. I, I just want to know, like, why every possible romance in this show is gross. <laughs> That's what I want to know. I like, <laughs> besides, like, the Romulan caretakers and Riker and Troy, like, every, I just, it's just like, ugh, I, it, it's very unsettling. Um, <laughs> they all have to be tainted with something, like... Yes. We, we used to be a relation, uh, couple, but now I uh, it blew you up real good. Or right. I'm a murderer. Or and we're so brother and sister. Let's hook exactly. up. Yeah, the Romulanisters. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it does have kind of a bleak view of romance, but we're going to take care of all that next week, I'm sure, when yeah. we um, see the the home and hearth and a married life of Riker and Troy. Uh, but that's getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, Thad, what did you think of the episode? 
I did enjoy it. Um, I thought as it, things felt a little convenient that Picard happens to be getting to the board cube the same time that Soji is being activated, and yeah, that that sure worked out very well for them, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was strange. It was cool to see Picard uh, reunite with Hugh and get on the cube. Yeah, and I love I, that scene. Yeah, I, that were so. So this whole time we've just seen Hugh in bits and flashes, but I don't know why they sandbagged his warmth and his humanity. I mean, he seemed rather sinister up to this point, and then, of course, Picard is kind of under false pretenses because uh, Hugh might thinks that this is some reach out from the Federation. Uh, when it's just Picard, you know, showing up on his own. But he's happy to see him. We get to see the full extent mm-hmm. of the Borg Reclamation Project, which, I don't know, there might still be a Somebody's getting those implants and parts. They're going somewhere, but it's changing the lives yeah. of Borg. You know, even Picard mentions that he's astonished that p- people can be brought back. I mean, we know Seven of Nine was brought back from, uh, you know, many years as a Borg, but... We can save all of these people. And, of course, the show, you know, makes the very pointed uh, statement that these that the Borg are victims. You know, at least now um, they are not aggressors or enemies. They are people who are who are suffering what was done to them. So all that episode six, <laughs> like up to this point, <laughs> the Borg cube was like a scary place where, yeah, I guess you could slide around in your socks. That was fun. But otherwise, uh, you don't really know what's going on there. And then we see, oh, no, this is a really good thing. Yeah, uh, I definitely, I I really liked when Hugh was saying that he didn't think that they were doing as, that much, and Picard says that they're doing good. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you do it perfectly as long as you're doing good. Yeah, and I and I really liked that. That that felt like yeah. a that that just took me right back to the comforting warm fuzzies of TNG when Picard would say things like that. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree with that. Um, as the episode. Starts, we've got uh, Narek and Soji talking about, you know, in bed. This is kind of how we're used to seeing them now, talking about <laughs> secrets. And, uh, you know, there's still sort of a, a separation between them. Um, on the La Serena, we've got <laughs> Dr. Girardi, still kind of recovering from uh, what we saw her do last week. And they have this, um, she runs into Rios, who is uh, playing with a football or a, or a soccer ball for um, Americans. Which I think is cool and all, uh, but I wondered, like, could football exist without capitalism? Like, what do they do? Do, do organized sports exist? Like, we hear about Parisi Squares quite a lot and spring ball. <laughs> but when I think about, like, uh, you know, the, the way the NFL works, um, the way the, you know, American Soccer League, European Soccer Leagues, it's all based on, you know, merchandising tickets and jerseys and all that stuff. And if it's all, quote unquote, free then i mean would sport i mean baseball went away baseball went away in like the 2030s or 40s we're not baseball too far went now away from... before capitalism went away though right we're not too far away from the end of baseball in our own world here so i just you know i think it's cool and it's definitely a cultural thing which i think is really great but i just thought like yeah is is that like a is he play is that like an antique that he's playing with you know is it weird do people think <laughs> it's weird that he likes football or is there He's just waiting for the next football match to come on. No, I think it probably still exists. Uh, just because even without even without a capitalist society, I think sports the I mean, people get really into their sports teams. I, I think it would still be around. <laughs> Remember, uh, Captain Archer loved water polo. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> it's such a weird Archer thing to like too. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Well, I wonder why they they chose they chose specifically that he had a physical ball like that was not in the holodeck. And I don't know if that's just because Picard has just been running his vineyard program like nonstop or they just decided <laughs> like uh, okay, <laughs> so holodeck again. <laughs> yeah, sure. So you're saying that he would be like right there with the Colombian team at the World sure, Cup. Why not? 2345 uh if it wasn't for Picard using the stupid holodeck all the time yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I keep expecting Reg Barkley to show up and be like really and you gave me crap <laughs> <laughs> you're living in a holodeck <laughs> uh Gerardi and he have uh I have to okay so I have to confess like 
I'm not exactly watching super close. Like I'm watching the episode. I generally have only watched them once when we by the time we talk about them on Discoverage. And I'm taking notes, so I'm not seeing a lot of stuff. And I have missed um, this burgeoning attraction between them that I've heard a lot of people complain about. Um, but we get a sort of payoff uh, in a gross way, if uh, Mika is to be uh, believed, uh, yes. between the, these two characters at this point. Uh, and I'm wondering, um, I don't know, I, I feel like you can't have it both ways. I feel like you can have um, you can have a burgeoning relationship or she could be a secret murderer. I'm not sure that I can buy both. Yeah. Well, when it comes to Gerardi, I'm I'm still not sure how I feel about her in general. I I was really hoping that the rumors or the the theories that she was going to have an ulterior motive were going to be false and that she was exactly what she appeared to be. Obviously that proved not to be true, yeah. but I don't think that she is like a Romulan spy. I I think she was manipulated to think that she's working for the good of the Federation. Right. Uh, and as far as that goes, I, I, I think at, I do think that she's probably also supposed to, uh, destroy Soji at some point. Uh, so we'll find out what happens there, but I think she's still trying to live. And, uh, she's not like a covert agent or anything like that. I think she really is just a scientist who happened to be recruited to do this. And I think she's still trying to have a normal life. I saw somewhere online a um, screenshot of, I don't know if it's a deleted scene or a scene that we will see in the future where uh, Commodore O is uh, like grabbing her face, uh, mind melt style. So maybe that's the way that she was shown. You know what she mentioned that she had been shown by them or what she had seen. Also, maybe she's being manipulated or motivated by... Because they could be saying something like, "We'll get rid of once we get rid of these dangerous synths, we can, you know, bring try to get real synths back, and maybe she's um, she'll have an opportunity to continue her work." Because, like, what do they even do <laughs> at the cybernetics uh, office of the the Daystrom Institute? I have like, been nothing. wondering that since the first episode, which is yeah. like, it's all theoretical. <laughs> we don't do anything. I'm like, but it's been 15 years, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's all simulation <laughs> like holodecks. Yeah, fake. Holodeck robots. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Um, I'm sure that we'll find out uh, in the future. And if it it requires her making a mistake, she'll be able to sense it while she's doing it because that's her superpower. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Good point. It was a weird line. I always think it's weird. And they definitely have like tamped down the kind of weird otherness of uh, TOS and Berman Trek. And made people just more, yeah, I drink whiskey and I, I read comic books. But just hearing like somebody say having a superpower in the Trek universe was so colloquial and, and kind of strange. I didn't hate it. I just thought it was sort of weird. So was she saying that she thought it was a mistake to kill Maddox? Um, maybe oh. subtextually. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think she was talking about like sleeping with Rios was a mistake. But she mm-hmm. could have been talking about both things. Potentially. Oh, that's good screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> and at least he gives her the option. Like, he, it's, he's not like some horn dog. He's like, are you sure that you want to do this? And she's like, yes. Well, that's two yeses. Let, let's go. <laughs> I, I liked when she said, I've never slept with a captain before. And he's like, I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, back on the queue, we've got the uh, update meeting from the Romulanisters. Uh, turns out that the robot dreams, and she's all mad about that. Like, hey, hey, you're harshing our incesty vibe here. You know, it's you and me. Uh, and he talks about uh, auto heuristic tendencies, and the dreams are her dealing with her unconscious cognitive dissonance over kind of knowing she's a robot, which I guess makes sense. And they want to get. We set up the the stakes real early. We need the information. We need the home world wherever she came from or where she was created and there's this thing i spoke you know i was making fun of the script before i think that this script has a lack of sophistication or maybe a very basic level of sophistication because they set up this box which becomes a weapon later but represents the problem that he's trying to solve and we get it but yeah. then they like point out at the end of the scene 
oh, she's like the box. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, we got it, we got it. <laughs> I get frustrated by writing like that sometimes. Uh, we head back to the ship, uh, La Serena, and we're in Romulan space. And we have to get some excuse, some reason that we can get on the cube. And so we drag out Relapse Raffi from her quarters and have this scene, which is another scene that is very, I think, non-Trek, but I think I really enjoyed having her call up this Federation captain and mm-hmm. be kind of chummy, but she's uh, really has this ulterior motive. And we watch her sort of burn this bridge. And Raffi's that kind of character that we've seen in other uh, genres of entertainment, definitely, who is just so good. It doesn't matter if she's you know, on a three-day bender, if she's ripped or whatever, she can just land this. Like, she knows what she has to do. She can man- manipulate this person, get what we need at the cost of this friendship and her, her own self-respect. But, um, yeah, she's she's cursed by how good she is at what she does. Yeah, she's, uh, she's definitely a good um, sweet talker or, you know, like, she's got a really high charisma, you know? <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, we're going RPG on this. Okay. Yeah. 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 She definitely rolled high in that charisma. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely and did. Uh, I like how that she says, never call me again. That's just yeah, like, yeah. that's rough. I like too how the captain said, Oh, the Romulans, they're in a 250 year bad mood. Their planet <laughs> blew up 15 years ago. <laughs> like their entire yeah. planet that's and their civilization. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a little, but, I mean, She's also not wrong. I mean, well, Federation yeah. interactions with the Romulans have never been exactly friendly. Ever since they got rid of the helmets. They should get the helmets back. They were cool. It's got to be fun to wear Save on makeup. Like yeah, that's right. <laughs> no ears. Uh, back on the cube, uh, we have, I, th- I believe that uh, Soji calls her mom and uh, falls asleep. Or, no, no, she's told by <laughs> Narek that... Um, Every call that she's made to her mom lasts exactly 70 seconds. She falls asleep. And so we're starting to wonder what's going on there. Um, meanwhile, on the, I saw uh, someone tweet about that. It oh, was really? saying like, yeah, if I was if I, uh, it was they were saying if I was dating someone, he revealed that he's been checking all of my call logs. That would be a very short relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's so true. It's like going into somebody's like text messages or, their, you know, yeah. Their email or something like that. A lot of conversations about secrecy here. Yeah, but then yeah. right, goes right into the emails. Uh, back on the uh, Serenia, uh, Rios is tucking Rafi in. And I got the feeling that this had happened before. This isn't the first time that he's poured her into bed. Yeah. I, I think it's a regular occurrence of their relationship. But everybody needs somebody like that. In fact, uh, Twitter user Captain Pikachu tweeted at us, uh, can we all get a holographic Chris Rios to comfort us when we all feel bad? And uh, I agree. <laughs> holographic or real, I think we'll, we'll take it. Plus, you can Absolutely. talk about the That footage. actually brings up a question. Sure. Speaking of the holographic Rioses, uh, the next time someone needs the EMH, is the EMH going to remember that Gerardi killed Maddox? It's a good question. That- I had that question last week, too. I think that's an excellent question. Um, um, I think I had said last week that she's, you know, a, a cyberneticist and a computer expert. So yeah. I have to imagine that she would know a pretty good way to just wipe that. But, yeah, we haven't. Uh, next and time somebody breaks their leg, <laughs> watch out. Yeah. And here's where I reveal that I accept I accept invitations to be on shows and then don't listen to them. <laughs> Uh, I don't know where you guys are in Delta Flyer Pod, so <laughs> it's okay. I, We've been we're on a hiatus, so we haven't done a new episode in a while. Oh, okay. Then I can catch up because I I have been listening yeah. mostly because I've been doing a rewatch, and so I'm kind of uh, I think we're into this fifth season now. So I'll definitely try to catch up. Yeah, soon. we've we've done the first two seasons. Uh, oh, okay. We All have right. scheduling conflicts and various reasons that we have not. We will be coming back for season three, but it's. Not sure exactly when yet. Well, looking forward to that. Uh, so he's he's tucking her in. Um, we've got uh, <laughs> this is a, this is where Soji calls her mom, and it's sort it's sort of like she starts to fall asleep, but she's like, no, no, she's trying to stay awake, and of course is not successful. But she starts to see weird weird things, sort of in the corner of her eye. Uh, back on the ship, Picard is allowed to finally beam into a particular place. 
there's a lot of cross cutting in this episode. I thought this episode was um I don't remember the other two episodes very well, but I thought it was um fairly well directed. Um Yeah. And uh yeah, and Soji uh, now we have the scene where <laughs> Soji is going through all of her stuff and she's scanning all of her photographs and she keeps hearing that they're only 37 months old, which is that was brave that they didn't say 40 47 months old, but whatever. Yeah, um, I was surprised it wasn't 47. Yeah, I know, with the seven and everything. I was surprised that I know that we have seen that, like, Captain Picard, for instance, has physical photographs, but this to me is. I've talked about, you know, things that you see on other shows or, like, things that are modern to us showing up on Trek. Uh, this was a little, this is a bridge too far. This is a, a collection of photographs too far. Like, she's got a bunch of paper photographs. I just got the idea that, like, Picard is an older man, and he has sort of rustic tastes, and so he's got these hologram photos of, like, his family uh, in the Enterprise D. But, like, you, you couldn't do this, uh, this scene. When you write this scene, it doesn't work if they're not photographs. Yeah, yeah. and I'm thinking here in the early 21st century i don't have any paper photographs of things that were taken in the last 15 years yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely i unless uh the kodak company uh benefited from the elimination of the capitalist economy uh yeah i definitely think that <laughs> physical photographs are rare although you know people like physical books and you know maybe there is a sort of it's in vogue to have physical copies uh, of things but it's funny because we so like a lot of star trek or a lot of future space shows we see so little paper you know physical paper on star trek that her having a ton of uh photographs is weird uh, here's another question i have for anybody who's been paying attention hopefully you guys the the paintings like that are on her the walls of her um quarters did she do those oh that's a really good question i didn't even think about that i they, assumed she had yeah I mean, she's probably, you know, she has, she paints, she's got her father's um, so, uh, hobbies or whatever, but some of them seem so childlike, you know, and so unskilled that I wondered if they were... I assumed those were old, because she did scan one of the really old, one of the childlike okay. drawings. I assumed that was an old one from when she was a child. So she hangs up her old art from when she was a kid? <laughs> I don't know, refrigerators in, in the future? <laughs> Was, or maybe it was maybe it was something that Dodge drew when she was a kid and gave it to her as a present or something. Oh, yeah. oh I could see that. I want to know, like, why she has all these photographs, but they're just, like, loose in, like, a shoebox. Like, why oh, were they... <laughs> Why yeah. weren't they in an album? See, that um, that's... This This is... I'm, I'm going to go yeah. right after... I'm going to go after the actual screenwriter. This is a major crimes scene. Do you know what I mean? He's like... And then... <laughs> And then she she thinks, no, I've seen the killer. And she pulls the shoebox of photographs for, up from under the bed. Yeah, and it's like, exactly. nobody took the future ray to this scene. I, I think that we could have <laughs> futured it a little more, except for the scanning device, you know, that tells you it's 37 months old. Well, yeah, and then you're going to go through the effort to print out these photos. You think you would be organizing them in an album. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, when, like, we see them get there later, it looks like a crime scene because everything's <laughs> everywhere. Okay, I've got – you're on board. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, uh, Speaking now... of everything being laid out like that, did you notice the Trevis and Flodder lunchbox? Yes, that's what it was. Yes. I saw that there was some art on there, but I couldn't tell what it was. I, but, yeah. yeah, I couldn't even catch it. Okay. So she's got, yeah, she's got a lunchbox. She's got all these finger paint drawings. I just wonder about the uh, sort of infantilization of, of her. But uh, anyway, uh, Picard beams into the cube and, of course, immediately um, is met with these flashbacks of his time. Uh, he sees all these empty alcoves. Oh, we get a lot of stock footage. And Hugh arrives <laughs> just as he's being grabbed by two Borg. And he's like, get off me. And he's like, no, no, they're going to they're <laughs> going to help you. You're about to fall. Uh, a million stories uh, to your death, which I thought was like um, it was a good sort of fake out. But again, I, I guess mm -hmm. I said at the beginning of the show, like it's a fake out that I I don't know. We were saving it just for this because I, I wish we'd known that he was a really good guy like earlier. No, I think we saw that a bit uh, in the earlier episode where he reaches out to Soji after he sees her being kind to one of the XBs. Yeah. So I think we did see a little bit of Hugh being a decent person. Yeah, but he does it like 
as her boss, you know what I mean? He's like, okay, you can handle that much work. What about this? You know, we don't see the sort of warm. He doesn't hug her <laughs> like he does. Uh, well, Picard. I mean, he doesn't have the same history with her. That's true. Uh, and there's enough hugging going on of Soji, uh, which he knows about. <laughs> uh, he mentions to Picard, he's like, uh, th- yeah, this. Uh, he's known about uh, Narek this entire time. Like this uh, Romulan yeah. who's pretending to be somebody he's not has come on and he's, um, you know, he's uh, cozying up to uh, one of my uh, researchers. Um, he also, this is the scene where he takes Picard around and shows him everything. Uh, and like I said before, it's it's, um, it's really great. Um I don't know if there is something, maybe uh, Thad would know because of uh, Voyager, but I don't know if there's something about Borg physiognomy that keeps normal Federation medical technology from having, um, being completely efficacious. Because, you know, a couple scars, you think, you know, the doctor could just zip that up real fast, but a lot of these Borg look pretty rough still. Yeah, I think it's more that the Romulans don't care. <laughs> okay, all right, it's just triage. <laughs> wow. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> as soon as they save your life and take all the junk out, then you can jump on the bus and head to Free Cloud and go to Nips and Tucks or whatever and just get get that all taken care of. <laughs> yeah, because no, I think, yes, obviously. I mean, look at Seven of Nine and, well, look at Picard. They don't yeah. have scars all over them. Yeah. Y- yeah. Uh, let's try a traditional Romulan meditation. That's what Narek says to Soji after she explains, uh, her conundrum. Uh, he says that maybe your memories are false and maybe we can find out uh, what's really going on. And I have to wonder, um, we, we go to this, uh, chamber, this Zalmach chamber, and it's like, are all new Romulan things just going to be two four-letter words, basically? It's just like, <laughs> they like that that repeti- that rhythm of syllables, I guess. Um, yeah. Which is kind of neat. Like, you're walking through this thing, and you're kind of going di- through different stations or doors, and you're kind of learning more about yourself. But I had to wonder, like, is this the real, is this meditation real? Or is this just an interrogation thing that he came up with? Or is it a little bit of both? Oh, I mean, I just assumed that it was real and they had... I assumed it was real as well. Yeah. Especially because that guard there is like, no, this is not for... Oh, the the bald guy that was outside the door? Yeah. Yeah. Was he he working for Narek? Because, you know, skipping forward, after Narek leaves and she's banging on the door, that guy looked like... Uh, you okay? Is everything okay? And then he, <laughs> then the box starts spewing gas out, and he's like, uh, "Should we be doing something about this?" Like, I, I felt like uh, I don't know inter- that he's working for Narek, but I think he recognizes that Narek is in a position of authority. Okay, so he's like, "Oh, it's another meditation slaying." Okay, yeah, okay, I see. I'll just stand back here. <laughs> you know, this that, happens. How surprised? How surprising is it really that Romulans involve Romulans have meditation slayings? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah uh just move along didn't see anything just keep keep moving yeah um it's just ingrained into the romulans that if you know tal shiar or javash i guess are doing something that you look the other way yeah Uh, on on the uh, ship on the serenia uh, rafi and rios are talking the next morning while she's drinking coffee and rafi is doing what we're doing she's wondering why the Romulans would keep uh, Soji alive if they know about her. And she's kind of, you know, giving us uh, a sort of meta setup here. Like, what what is it that they're looking for exactly? Kind of reminding us of what the plot is. I don't think they really come up with anything, though. And back on the cube, uh, uh, Soji is being led through this uh, meditation. And she is kind of going... It's, it's weird because I don't know if there's... She's experiencing her dream. Uh, I don't know if she's just recalling it or if she, if there's something about the meditation that allows you to sort of access your memories in a similar way to you know, a mind meld or something like that. Because she's able to kind of manipulate this, this dreamscape and these images um, that she sees. And she examines her dream uh, with the uh, guidance of Narek until she reaches um, this last image, the last part of the dream where her father is. And she sees her father, but he has no face, uh, which is kind of creepy, but I thought that was kind of cool. And she sees herself uh, being worked on on a table, and she is a, a wooden doll, a rather Pinocchio-esque, I think. Uh, yeah. 
And I think that, I mean, I, again, I get what they're doing. I feel like this is, I don't know. I feel like this has been done in other ways and done better. There's elements of this that I don't get. Like, I know that she's a robot. And so maybe in some way we're really like accessing a file or a memory file or or something like that. But why would, like, if I had a dream and you hypnotized me and helped me go through it, I might find that I can't see my father's face because I have issues with him or, or I don't – he's not real. But right. why would then you – now look up. Oh, it's – it's you know, it's it was cloudy that day. That means this is February the 14th. Uh, it's like, no, this is a dream. Why would <laughs> – there are no real items here. Like why would th- those planets just be in the sky? Is it because of the sort of mental landscape that I have? I think they're taking a lot for granted in this kind of dream thing because they came up with this little puzzle that they thought would be cool to put in the show. If that makes any sense. Well, and that was my problem with it, too. If this is a, a dream. Yeah. If this is a dream and nothing in it is real. And I mean, I guess <laughs> she realizes within the dream that she's not real. But they're like, look up. And she's like, sees two red moons. And I guess right. there's electrical storms. She can and look up Rizzo... and see Cookie Monster. I know. Two and moons then... circle. And then Rizzo is, <laughs> right. is all like. Right then, like, okay, Narek, I'm going to go find this place. And it's we like, gotta find the two moons. What is this real? How is this real? How do you know this is real if yeah. this isn't a dream? She says, I, I see, I see uh, candy canes and I see the gumdrop forest. She's in Candyland. She's from Candyland. Quick, dispatch a ship to Candyland. <laughs> it's a well, little. Then... Oh, sorry. Go well, ahead. Every episode of TNG where Data dreams. Yes. Everything in the dream was important. Yeah, that's true. Yes, the old-timey workers who were working on pipes uh, inside the wall of the ship was important. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was a little more abstract, though, than just literally, hey, and while the you're... Council of Troy is a cake was important. <laughs> yes. I mean... <laughs> yes, a cellular peptide cake uh, with mint frosting. With mint frosting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just think it's... It just seems peripheral to... if the, If the dreams are her unconscious emotion and her thoughts, then, you know, why? I don't know. That's a real accurate dream. But that's just, uh, that's on my, that's the hill I'm going to die on here. Uh, that's it for her. Uh, Merrick is like, uh, you're fake uh, and you're basic. Goodbye. And then he tries, <laughs> he tries to gas her, which if they understand how she works, I, I still, I think we can now say for sure that these are biological androids, right? They have a positronic yes. brain, biological body, because I don't know what the gas does. At one point, I think he says, no, no, don't go in there because there's radiation. radiation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't but whatever that. it is, it doesn't seem like something that would kill Data, but it will kill uh, a Soji. So that's not good. Also, apparently the radiation only happens if you open the door and not if you rip a hole through the floor. Yeah. Oh, good point. A bunch of Borg (laughs) on C deck are all dead now. Yeah. But I did think. Go ahead. No, no, you're you're, go ahead. Uh, Does anybody else think of like Hellraiser with the box? (laughs) I just that's what it reminded me of. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. And then Narek has got such sights to show her. You know, (laughs) such secrets to tell you. Yeah. And we learned his real name, which I didn't uh, write down, and I don't have closed captioning. But, uh, yeah, that was an interesting aspect. I did like how she just flips out and just busts through the floor, though. <laughs> that's, a, like, that's a good move. <laughs> I guess she could have punched through a wall, but she, she wanted to make sure that she was getting uh, right out of there. And so she busts through the floor, and, of course, uh, as has been pointed out uh, by Thad, it's really convenient because Jean-Luc Picard is right there. And he says, come with me. And I think they missed a missed a beat here um, because he's trying to convince her. She, she doesn't know him from Adam, but he's trying to convince her to come with him. And this is where you would insert something from the first episode. The discussion that Picard has with Dodge before she dies. Something about the flower. Something that he can say to Soji to make her know right away. Okay, I can trust this yeah. guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was my thought, too. I, I mean, it's just a missed opportunity there. But no use uh, crying. She may be hardwired to trust him, though, just like Dodge was. I suppose, yeah. Uh, yeah, when he goes, just trust me, come on. <laughs> then then she has to respond. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, they run into a little uh, side part of the cube that Hugh leads them to where he has a trajector, a spatial trajector machine, which we discussed before. This, I have to imagine now, you know, we don't know the exact state of the Borg in the 24th going on 5th century, but they must be dormant or doing their own thing. Because if they had spatial tra- uh, trajector technology, that'd be, uh, that'd be real bad news. Yeah. They could um, just top all over the universe. Yeah, well, I mean, transwarp is bad enough. But see, they already could. That's see, that's the part that I don't get. Like, why do they even need this when they have transwarp, which lets them hop, hop all over the universe already? Yeah, um, it's a reference. <laughs> they just want you to know that they uh, that they also watch Star Trek. Uh, he says that he's going to send them to Nepente, uh, which I think means forgetting. But also, of course, part of that word is. Um, from Ruerpente, which means forgotten or something like that. So remains to be seen if that's a connection or another reference. And that's when Elnor shows up. Uh, I'm glad that Ella's not here because I'm just going to say it. I, I don't like our resident murder teddy bear. Um, he hasn't done much. Oh, I like him. Well, there's not much to his character. He hasn't done much. He is the murderiest person that we've ever had on Star Trek. Uh, and I don't know if he's so good, why can't he just, you know, Obi-Wan and cut off some hands or arms or something. And then I'm sure we'll see him again, but the show just jettisons him. It's like, no, no, you go ahead. I'm going to do the Boromir thing and just, and defend you. But it's just, apparently he's not important enough to the show to, to follow them through Like, I want to see him meet the Rikers. I do too. Um, yeah, I'm hoping he gets out of there. I like him, but I don't like that he just kills people, you know, and I know like the last thing we hear is something he says something similar to the guy he said on the planet where Picard choose to live. Yeah. 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 Like basically don't fight me or I will kill you. Yeah. they made Um, a Weird weird choice to fade to black. And then we hear his voice say that like you. Yeah. You have him draw a sword and do a flippy thing and then you push in on his face and then have him give his kind of boring catchphrase right that's what you do no you're absolutely right i don't wonder why they decided to do it that way i'm kind of testing tonight (laughs) ella's not here so i can just both barrels (laughs) so um i I, all in all i think i like the episode i think i might have liked it more than last week to to just you know all told i like seeing seven last week but i think i like this episode more possibly but uh i don't know (laughs) <laughs> it, it's they're never gonna I, I realized something this week when I was thinking about Star Trek the new shows that are coming out the ones that we're watching and I don't I hope that we can get through this transitional phase soon I don't think we're gonna see really great Trek until they start making Trek that is not connected to to previous Trek you know be it Discovery mm. um, being based you know a lot on TOS um, the way that Picard is obviously a sequel to TNG and Voyager. Um, there's no way for them to, there, there's no way for it to live up to the emotional investment that we have in these shows already. You know, not only is it hard for us to judge objectively, but you just, nothing you do is going to satisfy the feelings and nostalgia that I have for those old shows, it's like it's like that. It's like Yates, right? It's like my dreams are are spread under your feet, and you're, you're treading on my dreams now. So, uh, it's I think it's impossible, at least for me, for them to 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 really satisfy what I'm looking for. Like I was totally happy to have Jean Luc Picard deal some cards, and then of course do a couple movies where he's swinging from vines and shooting people and stuff, and then that's you know, <laughs> that's the story of Picard and. Now we've picked it up again, and it's fun to see him, but you know, I really want this to, to mean something in this last chapter of his life. See, there are bits and pieces where it does. Like I mentioned yeah. the conversation he had with Hugh, where like when he was saying that, it felt to me just like Picard from TNG. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There are times when I feel that, but yes, I would, I would say for the most part, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get there. I think they're still figuring it out. But in the meantime, hurry it up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get your point. Like, um, you know, all all the other Trek shows, yeah, they're somewhat related to the shows that came before, but they also established their own thing. And we just haven't seen that with these newer um, series because they are so referential. 
And maybe we need to look to um, something like Lower Decks or the uh, Nickelodeon show or something like that, you know, the animation shows, which will take place mostly on their own, of course, in the universe of Trek as we know it. But Yeah, maybe there'll be something totally different. Yeah, I I am very much, especially, I'm very much looking forward to Lower Decks. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, we've got years and years to <laughs> to assimilate, if you will, all the new Trek coming our way. <laughs> uh, anything else about this episode that you guys wanted to say? I mean, we've done a pretty good job. I think we've covered most things. I Mika, so. anything else? Um, No, I don't think so. Um, Yeah, I just kind of want Elnor to be in the show still, so that would be cool. Great. But... <laughs> We got to see... I think it's... Oh, go ahead, Thad. Go ahead. I think it's interesting this is the longest episode of Picard so far by far. Yes. I think that's a good thing. I think that it it isn't all... I mean, there was was a good amount of them explaining where the plot's going, but there was also... They took time for a lot of character moments that they could have easily uh, jettisoned this late in the show. Um, And I like the Mm -hmm. fact that they're keeping up on that. Because whatever happens, you know, Picard is going to continue for another three or four years or whatever. Right. So hopefully right. we'll keep returning to these characters and they will be, um, they will be grist there for the mill when we do. And I think there will be. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is it for our show this week. Thanks for joining us listeners. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at E I S T P O D for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both enterprising individuals and discoverage are released. And you can tweet to us on the show by using the hashtag discoverage or email us at E I S T pod at gmail.com. Also, while you are on the internet, why not head to your listening platform of choice and uh, subscribe to our show. Uh, give us a rating and, rev- and a review because it really helps us out. If you want to help the show grow, you can stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTpod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. And uh, one other thing, uh, I mentioned this last week and the week before, um, I am trying to assemble a campaign. We were talking about RPGs before. Uh, I'm trying to assemble a campaign for the Star Trek Adventures RPG. Um, I didn't expect anything when I first said this, but I've actually had a fairly good response and a couple players have already approached me. So we're getting close to uh, possibly starting a game for this. Um, the company Modifius nice. has, a, has a great Star Trek RPG that they've just uh, released uh, and I'm not getting paid to say this, uh, but like I said, I'll, I'll take a check if Modifius wants to write one. So if you are interested in uh, joining the group, uh, let me know soon because uh, we're going to start possibly soon. Um, I'm at EISTPOD at gmail.com. And yeah, if you've got experience, great. If you don't, great. I just thought that we would run like a you know, introductory adventure and see how we feel and maybe go from there. So write in if you want to join that particular crew. Discovery will return on March 5th for the seventh episode of Star Trek Picard entitled Nepenthe, which we saw in the teaser. Uh, it's going to feature the return of William Riker and presumably Deanna Troy as well. So we'll be going live once again at 7 p.m. Central. Join us then. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at EIST Pod to get notified when we're live and broadcasting. And in the meantime, check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I'm joined by a special guest to discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news for the Trek Sphere and interviews with special guests. And our latest episode dropped yesterday. It's a crossover episode with our other Star Trek podcast on the network, Backtracking. And on the episode, we talk about the Voyager two-parter Scorpion and how it relates to the 1992 classic film, The Crying Game. So you can check that out at enterprisingindividuals.com. Mika, thanks as always for joining me and for filling in for Ella this week. Where can people find you online? Yeah, uh, you can find me at uh, justenoughtrope.com or at MikanHana on Twitter. That's great. Uh, What's coming up on Just Enough Trope? Yeah, uh, we're examining the conventions of costume drama through the lens of several subgenres. That includes horror pastiche with pride, prejudice, and zombies, queer cinema with the recent portrait of a lady on fire, and the neo-traditional with Emma, which comes out this weekend. That's right. Uh, lots of corsets. Corsets, corsets, corsets. Lots of corsets. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, tune into that. You can find that at justenoughtrope.com. And Thad, it's always great to have you on the show. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. That's T-Y-R-A-N-I-C-U-S. Or you can follow uh, my uh, podcast, uh, Delta Flyer or Stargate Weekly. Uh, you can find both of those wherever you get podcasts. That's great. And have fun on the cruise. I certainly hope so. Take, take, lots, of, <laughs> take lots of paper pictures <laughs> that you can't share <laughs> on the internet at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that is it for us. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Mika and Thad saying live long and prosper. Bye.